0: All right. Ben Marone in the house. Ben, welcome. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Jordan. Yeah, man. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit, give everybody a feel for who you are, what you do, what you're really
1: about. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm an American entrepreneur. I'm originally coming from Billings, Montana, way out West. Now it's super popular because of Yellowstone and everyone wants to move there. I run a staffing company called VA Task. We staff virtual assistants, project managers, sales managers into U.S. companies. Nice, man.
0: So coming from a beautiful place, you're out out in Montana. That's where you are from, but you're out in Poland, right? Yeah. I'm actually based in
1: Warsaw as of a couple months ago. So January 15th, I came out here to Warsaw, establishing residency, just kind of building a little base here in Europe.
0: Yeah. And that's something that I really respect about you, Ben. I said it last week in a Slack message to you, like boots on the ground. I, I appreciate that. You know, you're not just trying to pull off this whole VA staffing thing. I think we're having you're a little lag with the audio here, Jordan. Right. You're going to the people.
1: What's up? Uh, we're having a little bit of a lag with the the audio. The ah. video is pretty fuzzy. Um, and the audio, now I'm having issues. So if we need to switch audio only, that's totally fine. Yeah. Let
0: me, let me try that real quick. Okay. Go ahead. Turn off your video. Let's try that. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So we'll pick it up. Let me know if there's any issues. Again, I appreciate the heads up there. Anyhow, yeah, man, that's like what I really respect about you. You got boots on the ground. You're not trying to pull off this whole VA staffing thing from back in Montana. You're going to the people that you're actually staffing, bringing into American companies. You're going and meeting them all the way across the world, which is really (laughs) cool, man.
1: Yeah, exactly. I appreciate that. It's Yeah, it's a little bit unique, Um, I know that there's a lot of different Ukrainians and and Polish individuals that are more than qualified for jobs and independent contractor um, opportunities in the U S in being here in Poland. I meet so many people who want to work for U S companies, it provides them a very, very good quality of life. And I, I like Europe. I like traveling around Europe. So it just kind of made sense for me to, you know, be based here in Europe, especially when I'm working on multiple different time zones with the Philippines, and then workers in Europe, and then clients in the US, the center of the world makes sense. So when did you have this idea that you were going to start this company? So I would say I took action on the idea in like September of 2022. Um, before that, I kind of had the idea of it. So in like July and August, I was traveling around Europe or wrapping up kind of some travels around Europe. I spent about 90 days out here traveling Eastern Europe. And a lot Where'd of the individuals go? that I had met, um, oh, <laughs> there's a big list. Uh, so first I went to Portugal in May and then I was, yeah, in Hungary. I like,
0: I like uh, Portugal.
1: Okay. Hungary. Yeah. Portugal was very nice. Very nice. Um, then I went to Hungary, which was pretty enjoyable as well. Bulgaria, uh, which was very like mountainous. It reminded me of Montana and it was very kind of like wild. Then I went to Romania, went to Albania, which Albania was, yeah. was very nice, almost like a Croatia, except like way fewer tourists. So I feel like it might be a, a top tourist destination here in the next
0: couple yeah. of years. I think, well, I, side note, I think there's Croatia and then underneath that is Montenegro, which is a less touristy version of Croatia. And then an even less touristy version of Croatia is Albania. Like it, it gets yeah. less and less popular as you go down. And then of course, there's Greece right under that and then <laughs> the popularity uh, resurges. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. I, I think that's
1: that's pretty accurate. I haven't been to Montenegro yet, but I want to go, and that's what I've heard from individuals. It's just, you know, it's like Croatia, but less touristy, uh, which is has its pros, right? Yeah, um, and I after- haven't been to
0: Croatia, but I can tell you, man, this is is better. This is a <laughs> this out here in Montenegro is a superior country, man. Like this is. It is badass out here. It's so nice. I have no words for it. That's awesome. I got to put it on the list. Then maybe
1: in the summer I'll uh, I'll head out there.
0: The, it's like the views, the the mountains, the beaches, the water. It's not. It's no longer. You know. You, you ask people, are you a beach or a mountain person? You know, people will usually fall into those two categories. Mm-hmm. They're like you can get both here, and like in a very like the mountains are at the beach. You know, it's all kind of one <laughs> and the same. Just definitely the most beautiful country I've ever been to. Anyhow, wow. don't mean to interrupt too much. Go <laughs> yeah, to no worries. That's awesome. Uh, makes me want to travel there uh, a lot more and put it- Highly it
1: encourage. The so after Albania, I went to Poland. So I was here in Poland. My coworker I was working with at the time went back to Romania because that was kind of his favorite spot. And I wanted to go to Poland and then fly home. It's easy to fly to you know Amsterdam then back into the US. And so I spent about a week and a half in Poland and I had been out in Europe trying to find a place where I wanted to live at least for, you know, six months. Mm. Poland felt like that best blend because it felt super modern. I know in previous conversations, we've chatted about how like when you're traveling in Italy, there'd be like one plug-in in a room. Yeah, right? yeah. Or it's like everything's <laughs> Poland, old. everything's modern. So there's not that that kind of struggle, which was nice, right? It reminded me of America that way.
0: So that's kind of what you set out to do. You you were trying places out to live a little bit longer, term in, in one or more of those places.
1: Exactly. And I think each step I've made in my professional career, um, since I started working when I was quite young has been towards more freedom. So at first, you know, I had an office job and I was working in a sales corporation. I was doing SaaS sales, um, in Indianapolis and back in like 2020, 2019. Um, and then after that, I moved to like a remote only position for sales. Right. So I got that location freedom. Yeah. And then from that, I wanted more time freedom and true location freedom, and so that's why I realized I have to start my own company if I want to get to that level that I want.
0: When did you graduate uh, from school? Yeah, if you want, uh, May twenty twenty two. Wow! Wow! Whoa, wow! Whoa, wow! Whoa, wow! Okay, so now we got to back up. So you <laughs> you were working? Jeez! So that was like not even a year. Not even it's not even a year from this conversation. So you had an office job and. 2019, I guess around sophomore year. And yeah. So it's pretty what, interesting. Me tell me about your journey from
1: there. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. So I guess I'll start back at the the beginning when I was like 16, 17. I remember being kind of just like, I don't want to say just bored, like in school, but I felt like I was just kind of going through the motions and I was with a close friend of mine and we we're like, we need to make school exciting. So why don't we start like a business? Right. And so We decided to start selling like Shasta soda, like a real real cheap soda from the US Mm. in our school for 50 cents. And then we expanded into like more product lines, like little Debbie's brownies, like cakes, fruit snacks, those types of things. And it was quite, I would say, disruptive to our learning (laughs) because we just Uh text kids on Snapchat and then go like sell in the halls and leave class and go to, you know, to the bathroom five times during class just to go deliver on orders, right?
0: That's such a Um, good business, man. What a (laughs) service to that school. I wish I was in that school, that high school at that time. Like, wow. Like just, you're like the Uber, but for snacks in school where you can't really get that stuff throughout the day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was fun, man. I look back on that time with a lot of of fond memories. Mm -hmm. Um, but I remember- the, school never, the
0: administration never got on you and said like, no, you can't be doing this. Uh, that
1: eventually happened. So I'll, uh. I'll explain that as well. So <laughs> we were driving around to like the dollar stores around our town. there were like four or five in the little area. And we would go and clean them out of all you know their soda and a lot of their snacks. And we realized, okay, we're buying like a bunch of cans of soda each day, you know? And we're probably on the gas, like breaking even or like losing, <laughs> really. But uh, oh, we didn't really factor that in as, as kids. The economics
0: but, weren't really worked out. Yeah, no. But when you make
1: $400, like in a couple months, you're like, whoa, you know, and especially when you're selling things at 25 cents or 50 cents mm-hmm. in a school of 300 something kids, like you're, you feel like you're, you're on top of the world. <laughs> so it didn't matter, yeah. I guess we didn't really do the math. <laughs>
0: um, you probably built up a lot of, uh, a lot of social capital. More that than is true. actual we were known, capital.
1: We were known for that. Uh, I think it's in our yearbook. And it's like a remember when. And it was uh-huh. like we had started the Shasta Shack. That was the that was the name of the business. And so we had cleared out one of our lockers and made it just purely with the, the products. And so it was like stacked from head to toe with soda and with snacks. Mm. Um, and we had a little like bank and like a little lockbox in there. And then wow. the other one had just our collective books and school materials and those types of things. And so eventually the school, like some teachers kind of complained because <laughs> we were, you know, always outside in the hallways and they could like hear mm-hmm. us during class, those types of things. And so I found myself in the principal's office with my friend. And it was a it was like a Catholic school, it was a little private school. A hint. I remember sitting there and looking at this picture that had this like picture of, of Jesus that they liked in the school, right? And it was just sitting there above the door frame. And I thought like, hmm, like what would make this school okay with me selling stuff mm-hmm. well why don't i tie back to the school and basically cut them in so i gave them 10 percent, and then they like would donate it to like saint vincent de paul or different charity organizations so wow. we had walked out of there like thinking we we're gonna get shut down and we we're like wait we just had to pay 10 percent and pay them off and then we were in the clear so we felt like we had negotiated like a super big like business <laughs> <laughs> transaction when really like they probably just didn't actually want to tell us to stop it. They just had to for
0: formalities. Uh-huh. That's so funny. Where do you think this urge, I don't know if that's the correct word, to start uh, could you repeat doing that? this? What's this? Where did this urge come from, do you think, to start this business in your school? You know? Or just kind of have? I don't know.
1: Yeah, it just, it just kind of happened. I remember us just being kind of like bored and we're like, well, we got to like yeah. fill our time somehow. And so like, why yeah. don't we do this and then just try and, and build it up? Like, I'm sure we read something on like Reddit or some like, I don't know, internet board about someone who did something similar. I'm sure because we were always like searching on the internet and trying to find different things. Yeah. And so I'm sure we read something about that and thought, oh, we could do this and make a hundred K selling snacks at fifty cents. Like, you mm-hmm. know, some something crazy like that. We thought that. Um but then after after that I had started a like a little like, clothing company like with some print on demand, like dropshipping stuff. Um ran that for a little bit, realized like that's not really what I want to do. I can't really run a streetwear brand from you know Billings, Montana where everyone mm-hmm. works with like cows or oil or agriculture. <laughs> um, and so I went into like web design and like Facebook ads. So we had a little agency. We went back to the school, helped them with some SEO, some Facebook ads, got Uh some students. And then from there, that's how I got, I guess, connections in the industry of internet marketing. And then I had gone to a like conference on my 18th birthday down in Florida. And I met one of my close friends who he ended up being my boss later. I ended up being his roommate after that. And He's one of my clients today. So it's like, I've Hmm. known this guy for a long time and it was just based off of me meeting him when I was like, and so he helped get me a sales job because I realized like my agency wasn't as good as it could have been because I was an 18 year old kid and I didn't really know anything about sales. So I thought, okay, I need to get good at sales. I need a sales job. And then that's how I got to Indianapolis.
0: I see. That's how you got to Indianapolis is where your sales job was. Your office job was in 2019. Yep, and at the same time, I had uh, got
1: accepted to school in Minnesota, so I was in Minneapolis, and then I was like flying back and forth from Indianapolis to Minneapolis. It was like part time remote, part time like, in person. They liked having me there, so like my commission checks were really just going to like flights, and then I oh, thought, oh whoa whoa they didn't they
0: didn't damn they didn't pay for your flights. I they paid for the
1: first couple, but then after that, mm-hmm. it was just like on me, and so I was like okay. I still want to come down here because every time I come down here into the office, I felt like I made more money. And I I did make more money when I looked at the numbers. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe I should, uh, should move there during this time, like March, 2020 ish, like COVID happened. Right. So they were sending everyone home from school. Everything was going remote. So I had moved out of my parents like house, went to school for four months in person. And then they said, Oh, you have to go home. So I was like, I don't want to go back to, montana and just sit there and do online and so i decided to move to indianapolis moved to indianapolis was doing remote school so i would have one laptop where i'd be in class like answering questions and like looking attentive and i'd have another one where i was running like sales calls and demos um so i was that's how i was able to like work you know 40 50 hours a week and then also go to school full-time and i just kind of alternated between the two
0: yeah so, were your was your primary motivation in working was that like just to get experience so that you can build your own entrepreneurial venture and be better at it? Were you trying to gain experience for that? Yeah, or, I wanted to build my own venture. Like, sure.
1: I go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, no, no. I I was wondering if it was, it might be that or like or if you you had to work if you were paying your tuition at school mm. or maybe a little bit of both. Mm.
1: I was I was very blessed where I got a really good scholarship um for school. Nice. So the costs That's were good. very, very minimal. Um so I think if I had if I had to pay out of pocket myself, I don't think I would have gone. But I was very blessed to have get gotten a scholarship. But I I remember like my main motivation was like I just wanna get really good at the skill of sales because I realized if I was like good at it, I could always, you know, have value and help someone and build value for their, um, because sometimes that's the hardest part for entrepreneurs starting out is finding that product market fit and then actually ramping up into the, the sales side of things. And I also just didn't really know what I wanted to do long-term. So I was like, well, as long as I'm taking steps in the right direction and I'm making progress and seeing money come to my bank account I'm making connections, like I must be doing something right, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And that kind of gave me anxiety. I remember feeling like, really like, Oh, I don't know what I want to do yet. And just kind of, being worried about that because people who seem to be really at the top of their field started young and are skilled at it, right? So, it's like, at least that's how I had I had thought about it. And I understand it's more of an up-down, kind of crisscross, crazy journey for each one of us. But in my, my simplistic mind, I was just like, oh, I have to start
0: doing this at 16, 17 to be really mm-hmm. where I want to be. Yeah. Well, you picked a great first step to just kind of keep moving, even though you weren't a hundred percent sure what you wanted to do because mm-hmm. sales is life. Life is sales. I mean, the your whole, our whole existence can be viewed through the lens of mm-hmm. sales, whether we're at any given time, we're selling our ideas, our point of view to other people. Yeah. We're selling ourselves to other people at every Second of every single day, at, yeah. and we're selling our products and, and or services. I mean, life is sales, sales is life. I mean, you you picked a great uh, a great area to progress in, to get good at. Yeah, the it, transferable yeah, thanks, to really anything think,
1: that you would want to do. Yeah, no, I think you're hundred percent right. It's just if you don't know what to do and you're young, go into sales, and you'll either figure out okay, sales is not what I want to do, or you'll get
0: good at it and you'll be like, hmm, I can kind of do almost anything now, right? Sure. I mean, I would say maybe you don't want sales to be your profession. You can identify that, but hey, if you're going to like go into the, go, go take a sales job and then you're going to back out uh, of your sales journey, like a quarter of the way through, that's not a good thing. I'd say you got to see that journey through to completion. You got to get good at it. You got to eliminate the discomfort because if you're not good, if you can't be good at sales, you're not going to be good at the dinner table and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's very wise. Yeah. I think it's definitely,
1: definitely something where it had removed any, like, I would say confidence issues, not that I really had those as a child, but like any sort of like, awkwardness, I think everyone growing up like a little like awkward, or they're like scared to socially interact. And even when people are are fully grown, they, uh, they might be a little like insecure to interact in in public. But like after working a sales job and having to cold call and do those types of things. That just that barrier, that mental like lapse is like not like there, um which is very nice, and it's advantageous for for later. Yeah,
0: I'm still awkward. <laughs> I can be <laughs> very awkward, but I, I think I think it's really awkward in our world, then. Mm-hmm. getting on those Zoom or Google Meet calls and meeting someone, you know, maybe especially when it's like a cold prospect. <laughs> right they, not even out like a referral or anything those are like easier but it can be awkward mm-hmm. man those first few minutes <laughs> those are tough yeah yeah i always try to do
1: a little research just to like kind of feel like i know something about them but i, I yeah. do agree it can be kind of awkward when you first jump on and it's just like okay and it's like you know ask them where they're from and then go into those things right the, <laughs> the usual <laughs> stuff to kind of ease at the tension, the <laughs> usual stuff yeah. um, but sometimes if they're a salesperson they're like really man like You know, like they, they want a little bit more of a a real genuine connection from that.
0: Anytime I find myself in the first few minutes of a call talking about the weather, I'm just kind of like rolling my eyes inside at myself. It's like, man, like this is the most cliche, small talk topic you could possibly have gotten yourself into. How did you (laughs) get yourself here? Like I'm judging myself. <laughs> and why, I can't believe we're talking about the weather, man. Yes, yeah, I, I totally understand that. It's nice. I mean, sure I'm sure you kind of
1: experience this, um, but being around and traveling—if you hop on a call and you're asking someone where they're from, or like I'm calling from New York or back in the states or whatever—and you're like, I'm in Montenegro or I'm in you know Poland or I'm in Albania yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's a good conversation starter because people are like, "Wait, yes," what? like, and then it just breaks the total kind of awkwardness in the beginning.
0: Totally, we do have a little bit of a unfair advantage there. Yes. yeah so where are we at in your journey we're at so sales job and
1: then Mm -hmm. i'm at a sales job i moved to an apartment that's probably on the upper end of my budget uh (laughs) i end up buying a luxury car that's on the upper end of my budget (laughs) and Uh um, just making all those decisions right Uh i remember just being someone who like i was young and i was i didn't get paid an hourly like even now like it's hard for me to like quantify like hourly wages. Yeah. Like I, I, like I am used to getting paid and I was always commission only. I never, I've never really had a salary outside of when I was 16 and I worked at like UPS and it's like, I don't, I don't, uh, my brain doesn't like work like that. So, you know, with sales, it's can be feast or famine until you actually get really solid with your skills. And there's a lot of factors that come into, you know, your, your monthly take home. Um, and so I would remember just seeing it go like up and down and up and down and just be like, Hmm, like, I don't really know what my baseline is, right? But it was sometimes I would make big money and check a cash a check on a Friday and be like, whoa, this is crazy, you know. Cause I yeah. walked into that job with very little money in my bank account saved. And then I I walked out with more of a nest egg, which was good. Nice. But after I had moved to Indianapolis for a couple months, I remember kind of looking around and not really wanting that life for myself. So most of my coworkers were 25 plus um I had 23 24 plus out of college kind of just like settling down into a major metropolitan area or like suburb I had to commute to to work 45 minutes each way and I'd work super early work super late it's like hmm there's got to be more to this there's got to be more like I saw the freedom that the owners of the companies were enjoying it, or enjoying um and I knew they took risk in the very beginning and they're still taking risks but I just saw a different like level of freedom. Uh, so I knew and kind of planted that seed that I have to <laughs> break free, I guess, <laughs> is, is one way to describe it. Um, and then yeah. suddenly some things happened with the deal. I sold one of the, like, the largest deals in company history. I don't know if mm. it is still like the largest one a couple of years ago, but that client that I had met has been a close client of mine, a close friend of mine um, for a very long time. He was later my boss for a short stint when I was looking for some sales roles. But I decide to leave that company, go back up to, I, I went to Minnesota, dropped off some stuff. My sister was in school there. And so I left some of my like belongings with her. And then I flew down to Florida. Um, I had some family down there. I was just kind of like couch surfing for a little bit. And my friend who I'd met at a networking event, the one I mentioned, who's been my friend for a long time, um, his name's Aaron. He was starting a company where it's very similar to kind of some of the stuff at Zeus. But it's like some HubSpot implementation, CRM, mm. sales teams, those types of things. And so that was really a second level in my education where I was at the ground floor of a company where you know we went from like zero to about 150K, 175K in about like three or four months. And so it was per very month. cool to see a company, just uh, not, not per month, but in total. Um,
0: oh, I got you. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it was very cool to see that. That raised up that quickly because to me I was like, oh, that's that's crazy. I haven't seen stuff like that because I'm used to just getting kind of sales paychecks. And that's where I really had to wear a bunch of different hats. And I got to see with entrepreneurs like he was very good at sales, but he also knew all the backend. He knew all the systems. He knew all the marketing stuff. He knew all that stuff to a certain level that made him a jack of all trades and able to make his own offer and outsource the things that he didn't know or bring on the right key people to really beef up a certain section of the offer. And so I remember couch surfing with him in Miami for like a month or two. I was just like at his place in the middle of when he had a move or he was like moving to a different area. Then I went back up to Minneapolis. I didn't have an apartment there. And I was sleeping in one of my friends like spare offices um, for a couple months, basically that summer. And I was up late building like CRM systems and go high level mm-hmm. and active campaign, all those types of things, just like learning it, Zapier, learning it from scratch, because I didn't know what wow. that stuff was. And it was also during a time where I had like finals. So what I did is I had came in with some credits. And so I packed on even more during the summer, because I was on kind of on the cusp of finishing in like three years, where I was like three and a half, or I could extend it and make it four, but I wanted to get out as soon as possible. So I could work yeah. full time. And so I just packed on more credits Um, And so I remember just like, there was this one week where it's like, I was barely sleeping and I was just working all the time. But I think about that a lot when I'm tired now, because I'm like, okay, you've done this before. Like, don't complain. It was a lot worse when you were just, when you didn't know what you were doing and you had to stay up late. But now I kind of like know what I'm doing to a certain degree. I have to stay up late. It's it's a little different.
0: Yeah. Really admire. I keep forgetting throughout all this, you just reminded me here that you're building all through college. Something that I did too. Like, never did I, I did not focus any time on schoolwork that, that didn't need to be focused. Of course, you got to take care of things to actually pass the class. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as long as I was getting, you know, at least a C, I was happy. And not, not that I got all C's. I got some A's, I got some B's, I got some C's, mm-hmm. but you know, th- those math classes were definitely the the C's. I, I would, I would get, I would be on a D. I'd have like a D or an F the whole semester in those math classes. And then and then the last little bit, I'd, I'd turn it on and, and finish finish strong, get a C, get a tutor or something like that. But anyway, I did have yeah, to repeat a few that. of them. Yeah, they're- But I had yeah, my I computer t- out <laughs> d- or during every single class. And I was working on whatever entrepreneurial venture I was working on at the time. I'm curious if mm-hmm. like, if I, I, I guess the last couple of years, you didn't really have an in-person experience. But I'm curious if you had a similar experience in college where you were devoting most of your time to whatever professional venture you were working on at the time. Yeah. So in my last year of,
1: in my last year of college, um, in my three years, my last year of college, it was my senior, junior kind of blend. um, They pushed to go back like in person. So it was like my last year and a half actually. And so I creatively set up my schedule where I had like a lot of classes, but they were technically like all remote. And so I didn't have to actually physically be there. So that allowed me to travel down to Florida and kind of hang out with family or travel back to Montana when everyone else was kind of this hybrid in- person slash remote. Mm. And so I got an extra semester of being remote and then an extra summer semester of being remote, which really helped. And then then I went back to in person and that's when I had another sales drop At that time I had left that company that I worked on with a friend. Um, we kind of just actually took like a large contract and they wanted to bring us in like house and it was, uh-huh. Worth it for him, and it was also worth it for me. So then we just kind of jumped into that other company, and I—that was the sales job I worked until I started VA tasks. But I—I I just remember, um, <laughs> I just remember like like with school, just not wanting to not wanting to go back into person, like just thinking like, oh no, like doing math yeah. in my head and thinking like, fifteen minute commute here, fifteen minute commute yeah. there, like all these types of things. But I made it work. I was just not very. I'd say attentive in a a lot of my classes. I got to have my computer up and I'd be doing other things or be going CRM, like following up with people doing all those types of small like sales tasks because they knew that I was working, but it wasn't like, okay, you're going to get like a special allowance because you're working. It was like, okay, like you have to hit the same goals. So it was at a point where it was my second semester where I had a bunch of classes and they were just all during like working hours and during daytime. And so I couldn't, I could only work about half the time, but I needed to produce the same level as people who had, you know, their only focus was, was making cold calls. So I had to hit the same numbers as them half the amount of time. So it was just like, I remember being pretty stressed about that and realizing like, I don't like that section of sometimes sales, some of the outbound stuff. I don't like that as much. And I was like, Hmm, like now I need to, I'm comfortable doing this for my own offer, but I got to figure out how do I create a next level of freedom and just make my own company? And I went and traveled yeah. Europe and just thought about it, you know?
0: Amazing. And now here you are in, in Poland, boots on the ground. You got your company, staffing agencies <laughs> with talented people at a fraction of the price and a fraction of the mm-hmm. neediness as well, right? I, I'd say that uh, American True. employees are, are 10 times as needy in addition to being 10 times ex- as expensive. Uh, and they're 10 times I, I less productive. Well. Yes. So, yeah, doing that, I'm curious like what have you learned? Obviously, your agency is all about hiring. And what have you learned mm-hmm. in meeting all these people, talking to all these can- potential candidates that you're going to potentially staff with to with um sorry, how do I how do I explain it? You like, know what I'm US trying to go for like to- candidates
1: Candid- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah hey. candidates
0: that you're going to put into U.S. companies. What do you like? What do you look for in these candidates? Yeah, so I think there's
1: a, there's a couple of questions there. The first one is what I've learned. It's it's really there's no shortage of wonderful talent. Right? No so like there's I get many applicants to each job, and we pick you know probably the top four, top five, and then bring them into interviews and go through that process. And it always amazes me, a lot of these these resumes, especially in Eastern Europe and some of the countries, they finish college, university at 19. And then at 21, they'll have their master's. or 20, they'll have their master's. So very highly educated individuals with certain cultures around work that are very beneficial for, for US employers and beneficial for that own person's success um, back in, let's say, Ukraine or Poland or wherever they may be from. So there's just no shortage of really, really high quality talent. It's if you're not getting what you need from your employees or you're kind of drowning in your work, it's it's best to look outside globally because I think especially with the COVID pandemic, it made the world a lot more global and online. And so people are now used to having to be in Zoom meetings and they're more comfortable with that. So individuals who, let's say, are more in that baby boomer kind of sector who have a lot of money and purchasing power and high-ranking positions and companies are now way more familiar with the globalization of work. And so there's a lot more Opportunities for people who are over here. There's a lot more opportunities for people in the US who own companies to connect with really high quality talent. The The second part of what I look for when I'm hiring is it's interesting. I, I could go down the list and say, okay, I'm looking for these skills this year. Yeah, you know, yeah sure. College education. General, general big picture general things. Stuff. Right. But for me, obviously, since I'm hiring from Ukraine, I'm hiring from Poland, I'm hiring from some of these Eastern European countries. English is a must, right? So it doesn't matter if they have like a slight accent, but it's really what I've noticed, and especially living here in Poland, because I don't speak Polish. I know a little bit of some other Slavic languages, but only a few words where I can kind of pick out a few words. I know I have to interact with a lot of individuals who don't actually speak English. So I'm, I'm able to kind of tell what is this level of English they have? Are they able to do it professionally? And one of the things that I look for is humor. So if I make a joke or if I make some kind of sarcastic comment in the job interview, if they laugh, if they're receptive or they say something back, I understand that they know English to a high level because they're able to kind of joke and have a very personal conversation around it versus if they only know professional speak. If I make some sort of joke or if I come off real casual, they won't really know how to operate. And I've noticed that that's a big difference is... When they respond to humor well, they really know English. Even if they say they're like a B2 or they are upper intermediate English, when they know and they're they're positive and they have that humor, they actually know it better than someone who only knows the professional, like legal type
0: English. I've never thought about that, but that's so spot on. I look back as you're talking on hundreds of interviews I've done as an entrepreneur and yeah, like that's totally a thing. Yeah. Nothing more to it. Great insight. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Nice. And I mean, there's a bunch of other general things I would say, but that one has really been one that's revealed itself to me. I think it revealed itself
0: a lot quicker because I'm here, boots on the ground. Ah, I see. Makes sense. Yeah. You've got more reps, more exposure. So you learn Mm -hmm. that quicker than you would have otherwise back in Montana or Indiana or Indianapolis. What about like red flags, with candidates in general? I I really hire for culture first. So a lot of my clients I
1: know pretty pretty well. And so I want to make sure that the personalities flow together. And I can kind of tell, okay, this person's going to be a good fit. This person might not be a good fit. I think of a client that we were trying to find a project manager for a couple weeks ago, and we found her one that was the right fit. But it took a little bit more on the interviews because some of the individuals, just personality-wise... And like the small details of when you come to a call, you're introducing yourself or you're meeting this client and those types of things. If it's the small details aren't right, that attention to detail, that almost like high level of professionalism or almost like, yeah, high level of professionalism, I would say. If that's not there, that that sticks out to me. Like you can eventually, I guess, teach those things, but it's almost like awareness, like awareness about themselves, awareness about them and the interaction, those like social dynamics that that needs to be on point. So I, I watch for the red flag of not that cheery, not that mm. um, socially aware because I'm hiring for culture and then the skills. So I would rather hire, you know, someone who's 80% of the way there than someone who is 90% of the way there. And it's like socially not, not the right fit. The person who's 80% and is willing to learn is a little bit more going to r- roll with the punches is a better hire overall.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's of course, what I hire for as well, culture fit. Very happy to pass on people who have the skill set that is required, and and then some, right? They're really talented. Maybe they even code on top of all their other mm-hmm. skills. But if they're not a culture fit, maybe they're a little dry or just a little, you know, little bit of a negative bent. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not hiring that person. It only takes, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is the best analogy in the world. Cause I don't understand how one bad apple spoils a bunch. Like I don't do apples mm-hmm. infect one another, but in business, in your culture, it doesn't only take one bad apple to mm-hmm. spoil that, that bunch. So yeah, very, very conscious of that. And you've got to be very conscious of that as well, because you're bringing people into other organizations. Yeah, that's true.
1: I remember the first time I did a couple of placements, I was very like, Oh man, some of these higher level placements too, I was like very worried. I was like, oh man, like I hope this is the right culture fit. Right. Or like I need to get my senses up on the on the culture fit. And I haven't had any issues with that, just because I've really paid attention to that section of the business where I'm like, okay, I need to improve and get really good at this. So I need to soak up all the details and take all the notes I can. But I remember my first few times I was like, hmm, like I have to be very cognizant and and recognize like I'm hiring for culture, not just these skills. Yeah. I, I would, uh, I would say another red flag that I thought of, cause I was, I was thinking here, sitting, Hmm, what are some of those red flags besides the culture fit? Is almost doing too much. So when I see someone's resume and they, you know, let's say it's for project manager, you know, they know all these skills. They've been a project manager for two, three years, but they're taking like, Oh, I took a sales course. Oh, I took a coding course. I'm actively doing coding. I am part of a, a dog sled team. I am learning English. I am teaching someone Japanese. I am doing like 10 different things at once. It's hard to become competent at any of those things if you're doing 10 other ones, right? So if they're just focused on, I really focus on English. and I really focus on my work. I focus on my family. Usually that's uh, a better person who knows kind of their limits than someone who's almost trying to impress you with 10 different plates they have spinning.
0: Yeah. I kind of see that with some people on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've got all these stings. They don't really have that one thing that they're great at. Correct. And it's it's different if it's over a long period of time.
1: Let's say I'm hiring someone in their sure in the in their forties or their fifties or plus, it's that that makes more sense. They've had more time to, you know, cultivate all those those hobbies and skills. But if I'm hiring someone and they're under twenty five and they're like, I do ten million different things, it's just like you're either a beginner in all ten of those things, or you know, you're not giving the attention that you should to maybe more important things.
0: Yeah. I think down the line, then we could probably do a an episode solely dedicated to hiring and or culture or both. But it is we could talk about it much more today, but it just started drizzling a little bit out here in yeah. uh, lovely Montenegro. So let's wrap up our show here with cool. from your journey to this point, which I thank you, Ben, for sharing your journey with us today. Thank you very much. Pleasure is mine, Warren. Thank you. On your journey so far, what have been like one or two or even three, if you've got them, golden rules, words of wisdom you would give? Oh, the first one I think of, is
1: well there's two i immediately think of the first one is when you get a little momentum when you see things start to just show you almost a little divine section of success or like it's yeah. proof that you're making moves in the right direction but you are finally getting some positive responses versus cold email or like in linkedin or something like that put yeah. your pedal to the metal like do not like pull off and be like oh yeah let's celebrate this win like mm-hmm. just chase it and push because When you fall off of the horse of momentum, it takes you two weeks of you actively doing activities to spin it back up. And when I see successful entrepreneurs, um, for example, like our friend Daniel, he keeps the momentum up all the time. He's always, you know, forcing and pushing and pushing and pushing because you don't get to choose when, you know, you get really busy with clients. You don't get to choose when suddenly you close four or five deals. You have to keep that pedal to the metal. Yeah. Um, well said. And I look back at my own journey, and I realize places where I could have put more pedal to the metal, but I celebrated a win, and I was like, "Oh, this is great." Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I should have just kept my head down.
0: Dude, I, it's so funny you mentioned this. I, I, much of my journey, I, I have been, I have ignored this law. I'm going to call it a law too. Right. It's like, we're talking about the 48 laws of power here. Like this is, this is a law. This is like one of the 48 laws of success law. Yeah. (laughs) And I have broken this on time and again and again to my own and my own bank accounts peril. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can attest to this one for sure. I would have a lot, I'd be a lot richer today if I did not ignore Ben's advice here. Well, I feel
1: you. I I should have taken it it more, and it's like it's you. You know, it's the right thing to follow, but sometimes you try to celebrate it too early. You're like, finally, I've earned some breathing room, and it's like, no, yeah, actually, if you just act more disciplined, you have way more freedom on like later on because it builds up, like almost like a spins up some like leverage for you or spins up breathing room in the future. Yeah. The second, the second one is environment. So I won't like hit on, Oh, show me your friend, show me your future. Like the five people you're around, like all, all those things. I won't, I won't kind of repeat those platitudes from, from Twitter and all the YouTube shorts. That we, I'm sure we've all seen. Yeah. But for me, I needed to cut out a lot of distractions. So when I had moved back to Montana, like I was living with my parents, I was going to bed at 9 PM. I had no friends there. I had no activities to do besides go to the gym and work on my business for four or five months. So like when I put myself in a controlled environment like that, there was no other option besides work, because the things that were fun weren't really like that fun. Like I was in a uh, a slow town with not many activities and and no social connections around my age. So if you remove yourself from a lot of your normal distractions, like let's say like a college town or maybe you're in normal normal life and you change that environment, you almost make it impossible for yourself not to win. Because the only thing that actually is enjoyable is just working like more. So when I realized like at the end of August, when I wanted to build my company, like I built my company in a very short time, but it built up enough income for me to reach the goal of me coming over here into Europe. And I was impressed. I didn't know if I was going to make it, but it was like, well, why did that work? Why did I, why did that really get me to Europe? Well, I just put myself in a little bit of a pressure cooker for four or five months, push myself out there. And then got into a new environment where I can work much longer because of the time zones and those types of things. So just thinking about how you want to set up your environment to ensure your success. And it doesn't mean cut off all your friends and family because like I spent time with my parents, I spent time calling my sister and calling my friends who lived in other areas, but it's maybe you need to remove or reduce some of the attention that you give those things that aren't actually pushing you forward in your journey.
0: Yeah. Stack to deck in your favor, sure. Exactly. Well, men, thank you, Ben, for being here today. Appreciate it very much. People can find you on Twitter. You hang out there. I, oh, dude, I appre- <laughs> I, I'm i glad I just remember. Thank you for your support. You are my number. I, I've just started on Twitter. Uh, I'm on the Twitter, and you're my number one supporter on there and i thank you for your support ben thank you hey man you're welcome i mean you're
1: dropping uh good tweets tweets that i'm like dang i wish i tweeted that right <laughs> i mean my feed it's just you matt lucero and like amen yeah <laughs> like i don't think it's like anyone else uh everyone says oh twitter's broken oh twitter's fixed And it's like mine's only ever been three people <laughs> on twitter that i see so i don't know yeah uh, but you you drop some good, good tweets. Yeah, Twitter is probably Thanks. the best place to find me. Um, and then website for VATask.com. It's VA-Task.com. But Twitter is probably the best way to, to find me. And then that website as well.
0: What's that? What's your name on Twitter? Uh, it's Benjamin uh,
1: Marone. So my name, B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N. And then Marone is my last name. So M-O-R-O-N-E. Beautiful.
0: Thanks, man. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jordan. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of Building Freedom. My only hope for this podcast, my aim, is that this inspires you to build a freer, fuller life. One where you're not enslaved by a business, whether that be your business or any other business, whether you're a business owner or self-employed. The aim of this show is to help you build a freer, fuller life. And there are many ways to do that And that's what we showcase on this show each week. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, be well.